You're listening to Upstream, a production of the Open Source and Standards Team at Red Hat. For more podcasts and updates, visit community.redhat.com or follow us on Twitter at Red Hat Open. Hi, this is Joe Brockmeyer, and for this episode of Upstream, we're going to be talking to Patrick McGarry, known in some circles as Scuttle Monkey. Uh, he is the director of community for Ceph, which recently joined Red Hat. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background before you came to Red Hat and Ceph. Hey, yeah, thanks. Um, so I guess a little bit of background about me. Uh, I started off cutting my teeth in the community side of things uh, at Slashdot. Uh, some great mentors there were like uh, Rob Malda and Jeff Bates. I uh, worked with those guys and learned a lot. <clears throat> and really kind of uh, continued a long-standing interest in open source that I'd had since you know the, the days of, of hacking as a teenager. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, after that, I kind of went out and tried to... Uh, uh, spread the word of open source in more of a corporate setting, um, helping Alcatel-Lucent and Perforce uh, a little bit along the way. And then uh, finally got an opportunity to come back and work again with uh, Ross Turk, who I, I spent a lot of time with at Slashdot as well, um, here at uh, Ink Tank until the eventual uh, acquisition by Red Hat. Um, so it feels like coming home, coming back to the open source roots. So I guess that's me in a nutshell. Um, definitely been having a lot of fun with it. Ross Turk, that guy is a bad influence. You have to realize. <laughs> oh, I think we're bad influences on each other. You know, I think I totaled it up at one point, and we have been working together in some capacity for, boy, I think eight of the last 12 years uh, on and off. So, yeah, we, we've definitely been so, some pretty terrible influences on, on each other. <laughs> I know a lot of people who are listening to this know what Ceph is and are very excited about the news that it's come to Red Hat, but there are probably a number, an equal number of people who are not familiar with Ceph or maybe know that it has something to do with open source storage, but that's about as far as it goes. Can you, you know, fill in the gaps there for us? Yeah, I mean, Ceph is really hard to do as an elevator pitch, right? Because it, it really is so expansive and it does a lot of different things. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a free software storage platform. Uh, it's distributed uh, and it's designed to present uh, object, block, and file storage from a single distributed cluster. Um, so, like, you know, the, the big things were um, originally it was kind of uh, designed out of a, a need, uh, out of a Department of Energy grant, right? It was designed to build a better luster. Um, and then it kind of grew into this giant platform of, of multi-storage hydra-headedness. <laughs> so it's, um, its main kind of focuses, though, are, are to remove any single points of failure from your data pathway. Um, and then, obviously, to scale to immense levels, you know, exabyte level and beyond, um, through data replication and now things like uh, erasure coding and tiering. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of moving parts, um, and it can do a lot of very different things. Um, so it's, it's pretty exciting to be involved uh, with, you know, and, and it has so many applications. Um, I think it's really, I, I believe in the, uh, in the, the uh, statement that it is the future of storage. Um, I think it's really going to start giving a run for, uh, giving the, the embedded, entrenched proprietary guys a run for their money which is great. I love to see when open source can do that. You threw a lot of terms out there that I think people <laughs> might, might just perhaps struggle with. I also had to resist the urge to, as a shield watcher, to, to jump in with a hail hydra in there. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So erasure coding and and uh, tiering, I think. Can you just you know like what are those? What why do I care about those things if I don't know everything there is to know about enterprise storage? <laughs> yeah, and I mean those are kind of the latest buzzwords that we're all really excited about too, because those those two things just landed in kind of a supportable fashion with the most recent release of our our Firefly release of Ceph, um, which just landed uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but basically what those are is erasure coding is, <laughs> I mean, again, it's another one of those things that I have a hard time encapsulating. Um, but, uh, I mean, erasure coding is basically a way for you to do uh, replication without, you know, straight-on mirroring type of replication. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's it's basically a way to have data resiliency without taking up, you know, more space than you need to. Um, the the payment that you pay on the back end, of course, is it takes longer to kind of reconstruct your data if you have some sort of catastrophic loss. Um, there's a number of different uh, erasure coding algorithms that you can use, um, but basically, we wanted to kind of get erasure coding into Ceph so that people could, um, you know, for some of their their cold storage or their long term storage, things that weren't as mission critical either for uh, read write speeds or for um, you know, recovery times. Uh, we wanted to be able to have them get even more uh, cost efficiency out of their hardware. Um, and, you know, that's important. And it was especially exciting when we put it together with the other feature, which was tiering, which is the idea of kind of data has a, uh, a, a heat, right? So if something is accessed a lot, you maybe want to bump it up to a flash storage level. So it's, you know, it's on all of your SSDs and it, it's very fast in terms of read and write efficiency. Um, but, you know, if something hasn't been touched in a month and a half, maybe you want to bump that down to a cold storage tier, which is your erasure coded tier, which is, you know, more cost efficient, but obviously not as performant. Um, so tiering gives you the ability to kind of bump data between the, you know, price versus performance uh, levels within your, you know, data storage cluster. Uh, and erasure coding is for the the lower end um, to really squeeze every penny you can uh, out of the hardware that you got behind it. So my cat pictures are going to be on the top tier, and my tax files are going to be on like the lowest tier. Absolutely, yeah. Reddit can hammer on those cat pictures all day, and uh, and then the yeah your taxes you only need once a year. So yeah, exactly. So tell me about the name because uh, Seth is. <laughs> An interesting, you know, short, punchy name, but I don't know that uh, a lot of folks know exactly where Ceph comes from. Yeah, yeah, Ceph, the etymology of Ceph is actually, it comes from the, the cephalopod, right? And, and the reason that we went with the cephalopod as the mascot was, you know, as I mentioned, um, the Ceph was started out of a Department of Energy grant um, as a part of, of Sage, you know, the founders. Um, he did a, a, his doctoral research at... at um, uh, UC Santa Cruz, University of California, Santa Cruz. Uh, and their uh, collegiate mascot is Sammy the banana, banana Slug, who is a um, cephalopod. And so he figured that, you know, he should kind of have a, a relation there because that's kind of where Cephal was born. Um, so he went with a, the cephalopod theme in, in more of a general sense. And actually all of our Ceph releases are named for types of cephalopod. You know, the Argonaut, uh, Bobtail, uh, uh, cuttlefish, dumpling, emperor, firefly, giant, and hammer are all types of, um, you know, cephalopods or you know squids. Now that's interesting. I expected to learn something about storage today, but I never knew that um, 
banana slugs were in the same family as uh, squid. So we had a good announcement on Friday. Uh, Want to tell me a little bit about the uh, Calmare open source announcement? Yeah, that's actually really exciting for us. Um, that was one of the pieces of the acquisition that we were the, hap- the most happy about. Um, you know, as a startup, as you're trying to maintain funding and all of this stuff, um, it's, it's really hard to market yourself as a support company uh, to people like investors. They don't understand that. So you have to be a product company. So we had to have something that was physically a value add that we could hand to customers in order for the investors and things like that to understand uh, why they should give us money. Um, and this is why we started Calamari, which was, you know, it was Ink Tank's proprietary dashboard that came along as a part of your subscription. Um, you know, and, and most of the guys at the company had very mixed feelings about this. You know, everybody there from Sage on down uh, are all pretty idealistic in terms of, you know, free software and why that's the, the future of the world. Um, so when, when Red Hat came along and said, hey, we're going to acquire you guys, and one of the first things that they promised was that they wanted to take Calamari and they wanted to give it to the community. Um, that was really exciting for all of us because then we could see uh, all of the work that had gone into Calamari uh, pushed out into the community. Uh, and that actually happened this past Friday, as you mentioned. Um, so Calamari is now open source. Uh, anybody that's a developer can get a hold of all of the various pieces. Um, and Calamari actually consists of two different pieces, um, and, and it lives in two different repositories um, underneath the, the Ceph uh, organization on GitHub. Um, Calamari, the back end, um, is, uh, it's written in Python, uh, but it also uses things like SaltStack, ZeroRPC, Gvent, Django, um, Graphite, a few of the things I'm probably forgetting. Um, and then it instantiates kind of a new REST API um, that we want to see anybody that's building things on top of Ceph start to utilize because it can do a lot of really deep level uh, information things. Uh, and it's a two-way street. You can interact with your Ceph cluster via this REST API. So the Calamari REST API is really cool uh, in addition to the coolness of kind of what Calamari is. Um, and I guess you know, maybe that would be helpful. Calamari is kind of the all-in-wonder Ceph management uh, platform, right? It's designed to do, um, you know, the analytics and the dashboard and all that stuff, you know, the visualization of what's going on in your Ceph cluster. Uh, But longer term, it's also uh, the hope that we'll be able to actually manage the Ceph cluster, do things like deploy new nodes and all that kind of thing. Uh, It's it's a whole big package of really cool stuff that we're excited that the community can get their hands on. Um, And uh, it actually got open sourced really, really fast, uh, which is exciting to see a company as large as Red Hat um, as one of our first interactions with them, um, for them to move really fast because they wanted to do something important and beneficial for the community. So it's, it's been very gratifying for us. I'm guessing having been involved with uh, pulling things out into the open that have not been open by design, I'm guessing there was always an eye to that somewhere, or at least you guys had a really good paper trail of all the intellectual property and everything, because generally that, that takes some time and some doing. You know, a lot of people don't seem to understand what goes into saying this thing that used to be proprietary is now open source. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, all the developers on our team are pretty much hardcore open source guys. I mean, you can tell even by the stuff they use to build it, right? Python, SaltStack, ZeroRPC. Like, there's, there's a lot of open source that was in there. Um, and it was just the, you know, the packaging and the putting together. Um, but yeah, I mean, those guys, they, they had an eye towards when can we hand this to the community uh, at, in someday. 
So that was always kind of on the radar. Um, it's just, you know, Red Hat gave us the, you know, lighter fluid that we could do it faster with. Switching gears a little bit, I know that there are a couple of things coming up that you might want to talk about. I know there's a uh, Boston Ceph Day or something like that. I'm probably mangling the name. Yeah, there's no, there's all kinds of stuff that's going on in the Ceph community. I mean, even like this Thursday, I'm going to talk uh, in New York at Nylug. It looks like it just sold out 225 people. And I mean, the pressure's on for me to do a good talk now, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, coming up, June's going to be a busy month for us. Um, we've got Ceph Day Boston on June 10th, it, and signups are still available there. I mean, check the Ceph Twitter feed I mean, we're, and the Ink Tank Twitter feed. We're both still pushing um, on people being able to get into that event. Uh, it's at the Sheridan Boston. Um, and yeah, Ceph Days, uh, we have a really aggressive schedule. We were trying to do one a month. Um, obviously, with all of the stuff that's going on, we haven't been able to do that. Um, but our Ceph days have actually been getting a lot of traction, and we've been seeing a lot of really cool interest. We run them as community events. Most of the speakers at Ceph days are people from the community, not people that are employed working on Ceph, uh, the development of Ceph full time. Uh, so we always get some really cool talks, like uh, some you know uh, emeritus of previous Ceph events have been you know like the CERN guys and some of the academic world and people that are uh, implementing Ceph clusters on a daily basis like there have been some really cool talks so I mean keep an eye on the Ceph Day program uh, I think we have some plan for like Sunnyvale, London we recently did them in uh, Malaysia, New York uh, Frankfurt, Frankfurt was huge we had almost 200 people at that one so yeah there's all kinds of cool events coming up and then, obviously, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that our next Ceph Developer Summit is going to be on the 24th and 25th of this month as well. Um, Blueprint submissions just opened. Uh, so, you know, this, this one's going to be a little bit different than previous ones. Um, we're talking about a lot of the in-flight work. Um, we'd already had a, a Ceph Developer Summit for the giant release, uh, which is still the pending release. Um, but because Firefly got pushed out so long, um, we wanted to do another summit on our usual schedule, um, mostly to inter- introduce new work like calamari and things like that, uh, but also just as a way to touch base on the, the stuff that's in flight for Giant. Um, so that'll be coming up on the 24th and 25th. Uh, you can see details on the Ceph blog or, or get links from our Twitter feed and stuff like that. Where do people find out more about Ceph? What, where's your social media blog and all that good stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Seth on Twitter, I mean, pretty much anything uh, that we have that we that is really important goes out through that at some point in time. I try not to keep it super spammy, and, you know, I don't send the same announcement five or six times if I can help it. Um, but, yeah, anything that's important is going out through there. Um, all of our release stuff uh, and most of the big news also tends to hit the Seth.com blog. Um, so if you go there under community and blog, uh, you'll see that. I mean, the Calamari announce- announcement is there. The Ceph Developer Summit stuff is there. Like, um, and then each time we do a development release, uh, Sage throws up an announcement about the changes and, and all that stuff. So, um, you know, that's, that's where to find us. I think I also propagate stuff to, like, uh, you know, Facebook and Google Plus and LinkedIn and all that jazz. But, I mean, Twitter and our blog is, is kind of the main feed. Once again, this is Joe Brockmeyer. I've been talking to Patrick McGarry. Patrick, I'm really glad that you're at Red Hat. I think it's going to be a lot of fun working with you, and I thank you for taking the time today to talk to me. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Joe. You've been listening to Upstream, a production of the open source and standards team at Red Hat. 
Music for this podcast is The Big House by Jason Shaw, available under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. For more podcasts and updates on work with the larger open source community, visit community.redhat.com or follow us on Twitter at Red Hat Open. Open.